and so I'm you know, kind of trying to catch up here. Well, I uh, made it to 200. There is a lot of humor in the book, and it was really funny, but after a while you're kind of like, okay, so what about the story and why do I care? I think you ought to stick with it because I kind of started feeling that way. Uh, I read the tape version near the end of side four, early on in side five, but I think uh, it will pick up for you uh, shortly after that. And uh, the ending I thought was pretty good. Uh, there he gets a little messagey, but not overly, not overbearing. Um, but there's a little bit of one, and uh, I should say they, because I keep forgetting Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman is in here too. Um, but uh, I thought it was a great ending. I am really rather curious about whatever happened to the third baby, because there were two babies being born, and one of them got exchanged. And the other one we know is in this other house in London, and there's a third baby out there somewhere, so that has me really curious. Is that the one called Warlock? Yeah, that's the one they started with, you know, that, that everything went, and then they found out it wasn't the right child. But there's a third baby out there. Well, I don't know what I should say about that. Um, hmm, I'll have to think about that. What does he say about Warlock? Oh, what the heck, he doesn't say that much about him. Well, he, they talked about him in the beginning, you know, where they kept getting different nannies for him, and, and the gardener, St. Francis is the gardener, and, and the, the wizard helping him, different people trying to toss him back and forth between one extreme and the other extreme. And then we found out he wasn't the right child, and the dog was going to the child in lower wherever it was, Hadfield or wherever it was. But there were three babies involved, so I, I and don't tell me because I might finish the book, but there there's a third baby out there somewhere. No problem. Well, don't all talk at once. Well, I want to certainly uh, welcome you guys to. I'm Bob Acosta again. Want to welcome you to AccessibleWorld.org to the Book Nook Room, and that was why I came. And the date is uh, April 18th, 2010. This is our second meeting, and I I came the last time, but I left early. So when I got a recording, there's a recorder here. Uh, we do record discussions. If you don't, you know, if we do. I'll let you tell me whether you want to record this one. But we record it and, and archive them, and then people can download at leisure. But we, uh, So I want to welcome you. If the chairman comes in, I'll do it again if she wishes. Do we have a chairman? We just sort of get together and talk. Well, Amber Wallens is moving to Arizona, and Christina is who I con work with for the first meeting. And Amber is supposed to be either setting up in Arizona or what? She wants to be called A. Wallens. Yeah, Amber and Christine have both been real helpful in helping us keep our tech stuff straight when we were on Tech Talk. And, of course, Christine used to be in the writer's group, so um, they're, they're familiar. Uh, but um, uh, I don't we, think there's anybody else other than before that. Lana, you uh, don't really don't sound nearly as good as you used to. You're... you're, you're uh, sound quality you're it's like you're uh, way out there in the distance or something I probably didn't have my microphone in my face as much and I wasn't talking as loudly is that a little bit better yeah that's a little bit better yeah uh, I don't know where they are um, it's just the four of us I guess Tony is T-O-N-I um, so but I have no idea where uh, where the rest of are I haven't seen Kim for a few months now and Julia don't know where she is nobody wrote to the list 
to uh, remind people of the meeting and ask if they were going to be coming. So, you know, three or four of our regulars aren't here, unfortunately. Oh, I was a bad girl and haven't checked my email today. I was a bad girl and haven't checked my email today, so I, I don't know if anybody emailed and said they were or weren't coming. I just now turned on my computer today. Well, Kevin, can you talk in generalities? with? I guess if you give the plot away and everything away, that's that's my punishment for not reading the book. But can you talk generally? I, I'm new to this fantasy business, and I'm willing to learn. Uh, but what the author was trying to do, is this a particular type of fantasy? Um, to show you my ignorance, I thought Harry Potter was fantasy. I don't know. Harry, Pot- Harry Potter is fa- fantasy. This is a very different sort of fantasy, and Evan can probably describe it better than I can because he's read the whole book and can make sense out of it, which I didn't entirely do. But it's basically close to the genre of, ver- of uh, urban fantasy. You have a, a current-day Earth setting, but you have the, uh, the angel and the demon uh, both trying to prevent uh, Armageddon because they don't really want the world to end. They kind of like the things the way they have them. And then, and there's a lot of, of uh, very clever, I don't know if sarcasm or satire or whatever about religion and free will and witch hunting and Satanists, and it's all done very funny, very lighthearted. That's pretty much it. Um it's not my general cup of tea, actually. I like this particular book, but I tend not to read urban fantasy very much or things that are like that. I tend to like my fantasy in a different world or one that pretends to be different. Like uh, Middle Earth, for example, isn't really a different world, but it's not very easy to remember that it's actually our world in, in uh, ancient history if you don't think about it too much. But... Um, uh, this was really good. I can't say too much about the plot without giving it away because uh, it turns out that this guy Adam, who's the Antichrist, he's the real. Uh, he was the real one, and uh, his three friends, you know, are his gang, and uh, they start doing. St- he he gets in touch with that witch Anathema, starts reading these Aquarians. Uh, what were they? Aquarian Digest or whatever. Um, New Age stuff about Atlantis and uh, uh, the whales and flying saucers and Tibetans in tunnels all over the world. And the authors have great fun making, you know, have a, I think they must have had a ball writing this and seeing how much stuff they could put in and make fun of. I, I just can't believe that they weren't having a lot of, that were, they weren't having a good time with this. Um, so a lot of mysterious things start to happen and then. Adam gets more and more, you know, he kind of like, you know, he's just a, a regular boy at first, but then the evil part of him starts to surface, and he starts thinking about stopping all these people killing whales, and wouldn't it be great to bring back Atlantis? And so things start happening, you know, funny things. Uh, you know, of course, he's anti-nuclear. You know, he could pick this up from Anathema's literature, and so a strange thing happens to a nuclear power plant one night, and so he starts messing with things all over the world, and then he starts thinking about just remaking the world and doing all everything they want. And they start dividing the world up into four parts, just like you know the, the biblical story, and so on. And then uh, I can't t- say too much after that because I would I would give things away. But things start getting really weird uh, about th- three quarters of the way through the book. 
but uh, I can't say too much about what happens after that because that would give things there was some there are some surprises here. Okay, and this is the book Good Omens, just so we get it on the record. Neil Gaiman is it? And I forget the other author. Terry Pratchett. And don't ask me to spell either one. But available on Bookshare, at least that's where I'm reading it from. And I'm going to keep reading now, uh, Evan. Good job there. He does a wonderful job of when the when the boy discovers the what the, doesn't he call him the aquarium digest or something? He pr- mispronounces all of these exotic occult things, and that's hilarious. And and the tunnels and the the hollow inside of Earth, and he's having great. You can tell that they've both read all these. Uh, occult new age fiction or stories that pros- I mean not stories but the, the things that people pretend to have discovered or learned or whatever and Charles Fort and all that and he's having all kinds of fun making fun of those you don't have to be well read in occult or new age or whatever fantasy literature or whatever but it sure helps because you catch the things he's talking about okay I understand has anyone speaking of um uh, urban fantasy. Is anyone a uh, Jim Butcher fan by any chance? I've read the first four books of his series and I'm enjoying them. I think they're cool. I read the first one and I've got the three, I've got two, three, and four on my book sense, but I haven't started them yet. But I liked it too. I enjoyed that. So, you know, urban fantasy, I guess at least some of it is starting to uh, get, I'm starting to enjoy it. So, uh, but I, but I like them. I like the style and, you know, it's it's it. They're fun too, in a different way. They're a little bit darker, but they're still they're still that that light detective kind of style that I like. Well, it's it's uh, there's a big difference between his urban fantasy, at least the one I read, uh, which is kind of a satire on detective stories as well as fantasy, and the 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 kind of urban fantasy romance. Uh, everything explicit and laid out for you to see like they do for like people like Laurel Hamilton or um, even as much as I like her stuff the um, uh, what was her name the, I, it's, it's series that takes place in Ireland Karen Marie Moaning series and that's, that's a whole different kind of urban fantasy than, than the butcher he's just sort of a detective who gets into all sorts of magical trouble did you see uh, Tony's chat uh, folks I don't know if you've got your chat turned on um, but she mentions a couple of authors here. Um, I can I can look at the chat. Hold on a second. Let me see. Yeah, he says the only urban book he's read is Isabel. Is it? Is it? By Guy somebody. I can't pronounce. <laughs> My screen reader's making a mess of the name. Yeah, Guy Gabriel K. I think is the uh, is the name Bob, and it's Tony with an I. So I'm assuming. The she is female. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. I sh- yeah, you guys mentioned that. She, I'm sorry. That's one I haven't heard of. I haven't heard that offer. He wrote a series. I started one of them. Oh, man, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was all based on Byzantium or something. And he tells us, like, chapter and verse, how he got one of his characters or one of his creatures from the Byzantine Empire and so on, and even the names sounded similar, and it was all really thin, I thought. You know, I, I don't want to hear, well, there are so exceptions, but I don't want to hear how an author got all of his, you know, ideas and then 
you know, read the book and I'm not seeing his world, I'm seeing, oh, well, that's what he did and that's how he did that. And, gee, it just looks all too familiar. And here it is, just a thinly, um, just a thinly covered up version of Byzantium or whatever it was. I just, I don't know, I couldn't get into that. No, well, I kind of like that, where you have a, a historical background for a, a fantasy setting. After all, the, the Shire in The Hobbit was turn-of-the-century Victorian England, you know, so, um, or maybe not quite turn-of-the-century, but uh, I don't mean this century, I mean last century. So, so everybody's world is kind of like some other world. I mean, you can't, I mean, a few authors have come up with totally different worlds, but if you're... It gives the reader something to hold on to, too. I, I find a, a familiar setting or even even um, a setting I haven't read very many stories in, like Byzantium, kind of interesting because you learn a little about the culture and the place and so on, as well as having the fantasy along with it. So I, I, I kind of like that. Uh, Silk Roads and Shadows by uh, Susan Schwartz. Is, is a wonderful, it starts out, and she changes history a little bit to suit her story, but the, the, there's a journey from Byzantium all the way to China and back, and that I found very interesting. I don't know, uh, the Shire, true, the Shire was, you know, uh, Victorian England to a large extent, but there was a lot more to Middle Earth than that, and he got, you know, his ideas, you know, um, he got, he obviously... You know, he got his ideas from somewhere, but I don't know. I think there's a difference between having ideas and being derivative. And, and Gabriel Kay, you know, just seemed derivative to me. He didn't seem to have that many ideas. He just sort of borrowed things and changed the names, and that was pretty much it. And Tolkien did not do that. Quite conceited. That's, yeah, that's that's very true, Evan. And, and um, you know, I was just thinking of, of other, quote, historical fantasy type stuff. Um and uh, the books that were so shop shops, you stupid computer. Um, sorry. <laughs> oh, what's it? Philip uh, Pullman? Um, all those, um, all that series about the the Golden Compass, and um, you know all that, and uh, you know the way he 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 kind of uh, melded the Victorian. I'm not sure if he was derivative in the Fenimore tapestry, but I can definitely get how he is derivative with his newer stuff. Right. Um, so, um, uh, that was interesting. I, I did read the first two of the, the Pullman things, and I've, I've still got the last one somewhere. Somewhere on this hard drive. Too many books, too little time. What can I say? Um, but they were good. I mean, they 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 made a point, and uh, you know they they. Uh, and I was curious to read them because everybody was having such a a huge flap about them, um, and uh, you know so. But uh, those are the only historical fantasies I can think of, except for the time travel stuff by. Um, Oh dear, that science fiction author that always writes the time travel stuff, 16 something or other. I uh, never remember his name, but that never, never appealed to me, but that's me. Um, I'll have a lot more to say next, next month when we get into David Eddings, because I really like him. Yeah, do, do give next month, give me another shot at this. 
and uh, do give the next month's book and title and where we can get it. What about Diana Gabaldon now? Is she science fiction or um, fantasy, the Outlander business? She did time travel, right? I would call that fantasy because the time travel is more of a magical thing than it is a scientific thing. Now, I not too long ago read, oh, something to do with a guy going back to Maya. I should remember names. To Mayan times, and he didn't actually go back. They had a scientific explanation of the wormhole and his brain waves and so on. That I would call science fiction. But the Diana Gabaldon, they just kind of pop back and forth and and in 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 time. And um, there there isn't really a scientific explanation to how they do it. It's more of a magical explanation. And how you know, there's the old uh, Arthur C. Clarke the technology. Significantly advanced is indistinguishable from magic, so that's been a real contest in science fiction and fantasy um, among people for a long time. What is science fiction and what is fantasy? And sometimes it's it's hard to de- to define the difference. For me, it's you know, is it a good book or isn't it a good book? Yeah. Um, as far as the book for next next time, and you know, as I say, I'm I'm not leading this group, so maybe Evans should speak up. But as far as I know. At least from the uh, correspondence, the next next month next month's book is Pawn of Prophecy by David Eddings, which is as I'm pretty sure unbarred because I think I saw it come up in the last several weeks um, under new stuff. Um, I I read it ages back um, on cassette, but. Uh, um, it's it's Pawn of Prophecy by David Eddings, and Eddings is spelled just like it sounds, and I do believe it's on Bard, um, and I'm pretty sure it's on Bookshare. But I can check both of those out, um, and I'm sure that Christina will get back to you, Bob, with the uh, URLs and stuff, because, uh, you know, that's, it ain't my job here. <laughs> I'm just a... I'm just a, a talk about pawns. I'm just a pawn in this arena. So, oh, oh, Anne, you help everybody get out of here. Pawn of Prophecy, right? P-A-W-N of Prophecy by David Eddings. I'll look for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll catch up with Christina, or she'll catch up with me, because we want to we put a, a proper calendar uh, entry and everything. Okay. Um, it is on BARD, because that's one of the reasons we talked about doing it, because it had recently shown up on BARD. And, of course, we, on the fantasy group, we, since we all kind of started from Bookshare, we try to always pick books that are on Bookshare because not everybody in the group has Bard, so um, has the, the player, you know, to play it. So we try to always pick a book, make sure it's available on Bookshare before we pick it. Yeah, I just downloaded it today. I picked it because I haven't read The Belgariad for 20 years or something like that, and I wanted to read it, or 25 maybe. I'm not even sure when I read it uh, first, but I... Uh, I enjoyed it, and I just wanted to read something I haven't read before. Um, what am I saying? I want to read. I wanted to read something I've read before. I haven't done much of that lately, and so I wanted to revisit, you know, the old series and get back into the uh, Bulgarian again. So that's definitely on Bard. I don't know about Bookshare. Though. Uh, Evan, can you give us a clue? I mean, direction is what kind of fantasy is this? You mentioned Bulgarian, whatever. I don't know what that is, but is it? Uh, is this urban fantasy? Is it? Middle Earth, and I'm learning some words here. What kind of fantasy do we have to look forward to? 
Well, this is more of the sword and sorcery type. Uh, it's not. It's an imaginary world. It has nothing to do with the Earth. Uh, it has lots of uh, magical stuff in it, and there's some uh, mostly. No, actually, I don't remember a whole lot of sword play, but I I tend to remember the sorcery more than the swords. But um, Anne might remember it better. But um, there's there's some really neat. Uh, mystical gadgets that have been stolen and they need to be got back. It's a war among the gods, you know, for control of the earth, the evil god Torak and the um, the orb of Aldor and all this kind of cool stuff that's, you know, stolen and there's sorcerers have to uh, go after it and and Garion he's, he's got powers but he doesn't know it yet. He grows up on a farm and um, he doesn't know anything when he first starts out, but he gradually learns, you know, what his destiny is and uh, all that stuff. And it's uh, it's well written. It's pretty well written. It's easy. It's not a heavy reading. It's uh, uh, and they're not real long, and they're they're great. They take you away to a different world, and they and and they're very good. I well, thank you. I love those. I mean, I think I've read. I can't think of a book now, but I love those, and it's fun to escape into those other worlds. I'm kind of anxious to read it because I wasn't too impressed with it when I first got it because I got like the third or fourth book in the series on cassette and I'm sitting here going, what? And it sounded like a really grim, horrible history they were talking about and it sounded like everybody was living in misery all the time and I thought, oh, I was pretty depressed at the time anyway. I thought, I can't stand this. So I'm anxious to try it again from the beginning and with a whole new perspective, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Now, is this the first book in the series? I know we wrestle with that in Mystery Book Club sometimes. And uh, I, I, there's great advantages to reading the first uh, book because, you know, you get a feel of what's going on when you jump to book uh, book six. There, You know, people say, oh, but you have to know what happened in the past. And anyway, is it the first book of the series? Yes. Uh, Pawn of Prophecy is the first book in the Belgariad, which is the name of the series, and it comes from the name of one of the characters, which becomes, or who becomes, Belgarion, and I'm not going to tell you how he becomes Belgarion. He starts out as Garion, and he becomes Belgarion, and, you know, it's, it's, this particular book in the series, because it's the first book, is is essentially a growing up book. It's a it's a book about a, a young boy who um, discovers that he is is um, the pawn of prophecy, and he's supposed to do some stuff that he really doesn't think he's ready for. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, and and I I remember that scene. I don't think it's in the first book, but the I don't know, maybe it's in the second or third book where the, he has this nightmare, and you know, these people, all these friends of his, keep coming up to him and saying, "Are you ready? Are you ready?" <laughs> and, and oh yeah, um, great story, great story, and. Um, it is continued. the The story is continued in in five books, the Belgariad, and then in the 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 characters continue into the Malorian, which is the second five books in the series. And then there are uh, two books that are related um, 
Vilgarius the Sorcerer, Vilgarith the Sorcerer, and Polgara the Sorceress, I think are the two related books. Um, I may have gotten the titles mixed or muddled, but um, essentially you're talking a dozen books here. Is she his daughter or his sister? I forget. Who? Uh, Polgara? Oh, Polgara's, uh, uh, Belgara's daughter. Um, she was the, the twin of, um, what's her name? Oh, dear, 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 dear. Well, she was the twin that decided to become the, the sorcerer and continued, you know, continued living and... Um, what's her name that was the the matriarch of the line of of uh, you know the ancestral line died because she chose to marry and have a child and whatever the heck you call um, uh, Elderin Elderin is that it I think that's it yeah Elderin uh, she was the one that looked like uh, the grandmother with the with the golden hair and the stuff. Um, Elderin, Elderin, whatever the heck it was. I don't remember her name offhand. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Well, we we better not talk about next month's book now. But I will say that I really enjoy the characters in this particular series. So, anyway. Um, Back to back to the the book at hand. Anybody else have any comments on on um, uh, the book uh, the the current book? Well, I just I told a friend of mine that, and she asked me how it ended. Uh, she decided not to read it. And I said, well, you know, if you don't take your religion too seriously, you might like the ending. But if you do, you probably won't like the ending. So you've got to be willing to be, you know, you've got to be willing to not uh, be too strict in your, you know, religion, or you're probably going to be offended. I think there's a difference between being strict in your religion in the sense of, of understanding right and wrong and good and evil, and, and another sense of, of strict interpretation of, you know, literally what happened in, in Revelations and stuff like that. Uh, and that's, to me, that's two totally different things. I mean, guess it guess it's supposed to be the same thing, but it's not necessarily the same thing. Well, I should say, if you, if, I mean, if you've got a sense of, if you can be, you can be very religious and have a sense of humor about it, then that's good. But if you're religious and you don't have much of a sense of humor, then you probably won't like the I did peek, of course, because I always peek, and something about him stuffing his pocket full of apples and running off, so I doubt very seriously that the world's been destroyed. That's for 2012, according to uh, George Norrie and Art Bell and those guys. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Listen, guys, I'm going to run, but you have all night. You can talk, and this is great. I promise to try to read this book and uh, the next one and really do it and uh, to bring to some recruit some friends because I have some re uh, readers who would li really like this group so uh, have a great month and we meet again on the 16th of uh, May which is the third Sunday I believe and at 8 o'clock Eastern time so you guys can keep going or just when it's officially done let me know for any recording purposes 
How do we let him know? Oh, just say this is the meeting's officially done, and then if you want to gossip, I'll I'll edit all that out. <laughs> oh, so this is something that we just tell you, and you just stop it from from there. Okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah, because we want to share the discussion. There's some really some bright people here, and we and we want to share the discussion with with others. If it's okay, we do it with the other clubs, and you'd be surprised who downloads. You think, oh, nobody cares. They do. Believe me. I mean, uh, we just got 1,500 downloads on the iPhone in, in Tech Talk. And I said, well, nobody's going to care unless they get an iPhone. Well, they were out there. So uh, people will catch on when they start uh, hearing, hearing your discussions. Tech Talk on the iPhone? Oh, that's dangerous. I'd better not even play that, listen to that. That's dangerous for me to know about. Well, you know, Bob, we switched over here because your server just seems to run a lot better than the one we were using. And i got to say, I'm just telling you because uh, you deserve to know and get the compliment because uh, we had a lot of trouble at the last server we were at, and we came over here, and uh, everything's working great. Oh, as Ann knows, it has its moments, but, yes, it's going well right now. Listen, I'm going to run over to another event that's going on, and I've, I will got to be there. But I thank you guys so much, and I'm with this club too, and I'm with you on that. And uh, it sounds interesting, my goodness. So I'll see you next month. I'll do. You, any of you have anything more to say, or I mean, do we have something else to say on the subject? No, but I kind of wish I had taken notes. I read it fairly quickly because I started late. And uh, I would like to have stopped and taken some notes. If it was on the book sense, I would have put markers in. Because some of my favorite jokes, now I'm not going to remember what they were. Some of them I already have forgotten, and some of them are probably not going to, are going to fade in the next week or two. And I won't remember why I thought that was funny, or, you know, what why I thought the book was so funny, other than in a general way. But there were some really funny little jabs and funny uh, whatever's in there and I will not remember them because I should have taken notes and I didn't. When the kids are talking about the things that are the, the aquarium digest or whatever it is, that is hilarious the way they the way they get things and explain it and misget it and so on. Those are the humor is something that now I had the book sense speed it up a little bit when I was reading and you really can't get it because a lot of that humor is really you have to have those ears pricked to get it. You were reading it on the book scent? Yeah, I was reading it on the book scent on on um as a as a daisy as a as a on the voice part you know you know on the as a daisy not on the talking book it's not a talking book but I read it on the book scent yeah what how else would I read it? Oh, I forgot Bookshare had it. Never mind. Well, how were you reading it? I was reading it on tape. Oh, um, I wasn't aware that it was on tape. Um, I saw that it was on Bookshare and that was one of the reasons I didn't start it on time I happen to dislike Samantha with a passion I've got a stream and I thought it was only available on Bookshare and I thought oh god 